So first of all, regarding the, uh, the Glencoe pro- uh, project, I just wanted to let you know that we have uh, been approved for a loan, and um, that is from Awana Credit Union. And uh, the reason that I say that is because I think it would be good for us to let them know how much we appreciate. They really, they really have, have bent over backwards for us. And um, I told them I'm going to tell our church, and uh, because a lot of uh, uh, a lot of financial institutions right now are not giving um, construction loans, and uh, a lot of people are anticipating a recession. And, of course, that could actually work into our favor, I think. But uh, nonetheless, they granted us a, um, well, they uh, approved us for a loan. We were looking at the, um, oh, all the conditions of it, and it really seems very, very reasonable. And so um, I'm going to have a meeting with the deacons. So deacons, really quickly, after the service this morning, let's just get together and we'll talk about that. We'll discuss it. But, uh, man, I'm really excited because it, it was almost the midnight hour for us to be able to get started. But I think we're going to be able to get started at the end of this summer and, um, and be done by the time that the lease is up on this building here. And so that's just an exciting, exciting thing. But we need to remain faithful. And so let's just keep continuing to pray. Um, this is not time to quit praying uh, this is time to pray more earnestly, more diligently, because I was looking at the payment on that thing, and we've made that payment before, but now it's ours, and so we just uh, we just need, uh, well, obviously, we need God through all of this, and so just, just be praying. We still need to raise some more money, obviously, but that's going to come, and as long as we continue going forward, God's just going to continue to uh, to provide. He's going to continue to produce, and and this is just an exciting, exciting time for us because that there's light at the end of the tunnel and that building is just around the corner. Um, it's scary. You know, when she called me, she called me at home to uh, let me know. And so when I was answering the phone, I was in the backyard and she said, yeah, she said the credit, we, we had a board meeting, we had a committee meeting and they have decided that they want to grant you guys your construction loan. And I didn't say anything. <laughs> and she goes, um, are you there? I said, <laughs> I said, yes, I am. She goes, are you scared or excited? I says, I'm both right now. I'm scared and I'm excited. It's, it's both. So anyways, I wanted to share that with you. Uh, I know some of you have, have probably uh, heard, but just what an exciting, exciting thing. Uh, for us, and I, and I'm I'm also excited that it's a local credit union, a credit union that that cares about its community. I really believe God's going to bless that credit union as as a result of this, and so um, we've seen that happen before. But um, um, let me just tell you really quickly how I got into contact with this credit union because this was of this was of God also. Um, my wife and I got a, uh, we got a postcard from that credit union and she asked me, have you tried them yet? And I says, no, you know, I was really discouraged because I, I kept hearing we're not doing construction loans right now, but I was going to give them a call. The next day they called me. The reason they called me is because our contractor who we decided to go with, who also has been a godsend, uh, banks there, and while he was there, he talked to one of the higher-ups and said, hey, do you do construction loans for churches? And 
the lady says, yeah, we, we would do something like that. And so he gave them all of our information and, and what we needed. And she called me and said, I heard you're looking for a loan. <laughs> and so, so that's how that all worked out. That's how, how that all turned out. And so praise the Lord for that. You know, um, it, the Lord literally does drop things in your lap, but you just got to be faithful. You got to keep praying and pursuing and uh anyways we're we're still looking at other things but praise the lord we knew how well, we now have an a- avenue so just continue to pray for god's leadership in that all right well, we're going to take our bibles and we're going to turn to the book of luke if you will the book of luke and i'm going to finish off the message that i started this morning so luke chapter one the book of luke chapter one And now you can stand in reverence to God's word if you're able to. If not, obviously, you can just follow along with us. But Luke chapter 1, Luke chapter 1, we're going to begin reading in verse number 17 once again. Luke chapter 1, beginning in verse number 17. The Bible says, He shall go before him, talking about John the Baptist going before Christ, in the spirit and power of Elias or Elijah, to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we ask again that your hand would be upon the service this afternoon. Lord God, we rejoice in you for leading us and for guiding us, for directing us. And Lord, we pray that you'd continue to do so. We also rejoice in the news of what you've provided in this Glencoe project, Lord, knowing that we still need to be diligent in our giving, in our promises, and Lord God also, in just being faithful to you, being a witness and a testimony. We thank you now in Jesus' name, amen. Okay, you can go ahead and be seated. If ever there was a time that the hearts of the fathers need to be turned to the children, we are living in that day and we are living in that age. And as I said this morning, uh, a good biblical dad is actually rare, hard to find. It's even hard, they're even hard to find in the Bible. But nonetheless, God has given us some examples, some great examples. And this morning I said that there are four men that we wanted to look at and their primary characteristics that I believe we can all apply in our own Christian lives, but particularly dads as they dad. The first we looked at this morning was the perspective of Noah. And I think Noah is a great illustration for us in that he had a perspective that allowed him to tune out the rest of the world. The Bible tells us there in the book of Genesis that every imagination of man was wicked. And, but Noah and only Noah found grace in God's eyes. Well, not just Noah, but his entire family, his entire household. And we looked at his perspective and what a perspective he had to have to be able to tune out the rest of the world. And truly, his kids could come home and say, but dad, nobody's doing it like that anymore. And they weren't even exaggerating. It was the absolute truth. No one did it that way anymore. But Noah stood faithful to God and Noah heard God. Because Noah had a biblical perspective. The second father that we looked at this morning was Job. 
and the fact that Job practiced what he preached. So we could say the practice of Job, the perspective of Noah, the practice of Job. And Job indeed did practice what he preached. And we see that Job was active in his service. He was active in his prayer life. His kids would obviously see it. And we know that even when the chips were down, he said, the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the, blessed be the Lord. And he it went on to say that Job did not charge God foolishly, even when the chips were down. His, his family would see that. His kids would see that as he attributed every blessing he had to God. And I think, dads, when things, when things happen in our lives, when things go well and God provides, we need to give God the glory and we need to, we need to make sure that our kids understand that. We have this because God has blessed us. And we need to, I think, exaggerate that. Look at what God has done for us. And always have God in the, in the forefront and understanding. And then, of course, there's going to be things we don't understand. But we just have to teach our kids, trust in the Lord. We have to trust in Him. God hasn't let us down. He won't let us down. He tries us. He tests us. And we live in an imperfect world where bad things happen. But they don't happen because of our God. So the perspective of Noah, the practice of Job. Now I want us to turn to Genesis chapter 22 and look at our third dad this afternoon. Genesis chapter 22, the book of Genesis and chapter 22. Genesis chapter 22, here's a dad you're very familiar with. You probably knew we were going to hit on this one. Genesis chapter 22, verse number 1. The Bible says it came to pass after these things that God did tempt Abraham. And God said unto him, Abraham, and he said, Behold, here I am. And he said, Take now thy son, thine only son Isaac, whom thou lovest, and get thee into the land of Moriah, and offer him there for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains, which I will tell thee of. Abraham loved God above all else. And so not only should we have the perspective of Noah, the practice of Job, but the priorities of Abraham. The priorities of Abraham. Abraham loved God above all else. And when you read Genesis chapter 22 and you find out that Abraham's obedience to God displayed to all those around, including his own son, that Abraham kept God first and foremost in his life. And by the way, this would benefit his entire family. The great statement of his priority is made when God tested Abraham. This was just as much proof for God as it was a test for Abraham. In a sense, God was saying, Abraham, prove me. And God says that throughout his word. Prove me. Try me. Test me. God's always up for the test. Make God first in your life and see if it doesn't make your life better. We always think, well, if I do that, man, if I have to give up my Sundays to go to church, that's not going to make my life any better. Oh, it absolutely will make your life better. Keep God first and foremost. See if putting me first won't benefit you, your family, and all those around you is what God is saying to Abraham. So Abraham did not much care what anyone else thought. 
when God gave him this command. Abraham did not consult with anyone. Abraham did not ask anyone's opinion. The Bible tells us in in Genesis chapter 22, verse number 3, after receiving this what seems to be an unreasonable request from God, God always has a reason for asking us to do something. He always has a reason for calling us to do something. And so after receiving this, what seems to be an unreasonable request, the Bible tells us in verse number 3, Abraham rose up early in the morning. And then the Bible tells us that he saddled his ass. He took two of his young men with him and Isaac, his son, and he clave the wood to the, of the burnt offering and rose up and went up the, unto the place of which God had told him. He didn't put it off. He didn't dilly-dally. He didn't hem and haw. He didn't argue with God and say, well, God, that's just not fair. I believe you're just asking too much of me, like a lot of us do. Now, the Bible says Abraham had learned through serving God that just being obedient to God is the very best thing for him and for his family. Abraham didn't know how it was going to turn out. He didn't know what God was going to do. He just knew God always keeps his promises. And I can't see how this is going to turn out. Abraham had, had, had an idea of how it might turn out because Abraham knew that his son Isaac was the promised one, promised to uh, bear many children and, and, and a nation that would, that would be brought about through him and through his seed. So Abraham knew that, you know, something, God's going to do something. I just don't know what. The book of Hebrews reveals to us what Abraham thought. Abraham thought that he would go up He would go through this, uh, what God told him to do, but that God would miraculously raise Isaac from the dead. Now, that's faith, but that's not what God had intended. Abraham didn't much care what anyone else thought. Notice he doesn't go to his psychologist and say, you know, uh, uh, God's word says I need to do this. What do you think? God did not go, Abraham did not go to his uh, financial advisor and say, you know, God wants me to give a tenth of, of my first fruits. He wants me to give a tithe. What do you think? Can I afford to do this? Abraham did not go to anyone else. He didn't even ask his wife. You notice that? We know what his wife would have said. You are not going up there. So Abraham rose up early in the morning, and he didn't ask Isaac, son, this is what God wants us to do with our family. Now, what do you think? I get so amazed, I guess you'd say, at parents that live their lives for their children. To the point that they'll get out of church or they'll miss church simply because, well, the kids didn't want to go or we uh, allow them to make their own decisions or we, we just had other things to do. Abraham didn't even ask his son. And this is impressive because Isaac was actually a young adult when this happened. 
People imagine Isaac as this little toddler and he didn't have a say in the matter. Oh, he did have a say in the matter. And when it came time for Abraham to tie his son up so he could be this offering or this sacrifice, his son could have easily overpowered him, but he didn't. That says a lot about Abraham and his walk with God, that his son would follow in his footsteps and follow what he said. After hearing God's word and knowing God's will, Abraham did not have to think about it, ask others about it, consider it. He simply did it. Dads need to be willing to take a lot of criticism when it comes to keeping God first. Imagine the criticism that Abraham would have received had people got word of what was going on. Abraham, are you crazy? Are you nuts? Can I say this, Dad? If you are going to raise your children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord, don't expect people to encourage you to keep going in that direction. Don't expect your te- their teachers at school to encourage you to keep going in that direction. Don't expect your neighbors to encourage you to keep going in that direction. Don't expect your kids' friends to say, man, your dad's the greatest. He's the best. I wish my dad had hogtie me and make me go to church on Sundays. I mean, that, that would just be the greatest. Don't expect to win any Father of the Year contests. Now, I'm not saying be mean and be belligerent just because. No, you need to be a dad of conviction, but it needs to be balanced with being a dad of compassion. But there's going to be times where your kids don't much like you because of what you're making them do. There's going to be times when you're not the popular dad You're the criticized dad, but you can't let that keep you from doing what you know God wants you to do. Matthew 6.33 says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Make sure you have his approval first and foremost, and all these things shall be added unto you. Take therefore no thought for the morrow, for the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself sufficient unto the day, is the evil thereof. You know that old saying, you spoil your kids, you're going to have to raise your grandkids. But if you raise your kids, you can spoil those grandkids. And then I want to tell you, it is worth it. Because your kids maybe hated you, but your grandkids are going to love you. (laughs) And your kids are going to wonder, where's my dad? But nonetheless... (laughs) it's worth it the perspective of Noah the practice of Job the priority of Abraham but there's another father we've been in the Old Testament I want us to move into the New Testament Matthew chapter 1 the book of Matthew in chapter 1 We know this, that God's not going to choose just a good man to raise his son. God's going to choose a good father to raise his son. 
And as we looked at the perspective of Noah and what perspective he had, we look at the practice of Job, he practiced what he preached. We look at the priority of Abraham. No one could say when Abraham was a dad to Isaac that he cared about what everyone else said. God was his priority. But in Matthew, the book of Matthew, I want us to look at the patience, the patience of Joseph. The Bible tells us in Matthew chapter 1 and in verse number 18 that the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise when as his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph before they came together. She was found with child of the Holy Ghost. By the way, verse number 18 is just one of the many verses that confirms Mary was not a mere maiden. Mary was a virgin. The Bible says that they hadn't come together. That means in a physical sense. Yet she was found with child. And I know that you've thought about this. My, what would you do? Joseph knows that's not his, that's not his baby, but look at the patience of this man. In verse number 19, Joseph, her husband, being a just man, not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privately. Joseph did not go off on a gossip fest against his espoused wife, who is now pregnant. You know, that would have ruined everything had he done that. No, instead, he was patient. I want you to uh, understand that, first of all, Joseph's life plans were thrown completely out of kilter by God's will. And when this came to pass and when this happened before Joseph knew what happened, Joseph, first of all, prayerfully responded. He prayerfully responded. He didn't react. He prayerfully responded. Now, I'm not going to ask for hands. Mine would have to go up. How many times, guys, and I could probably add ladies to this, how many times have you reacted and then afterwards wished that you never would have acted that way? I can tell you I have. Many times when it came to my own kids, I reacted Thankfully, Joseph was a patient man, a just man. When he heard, well, not only heard, the Bible says that she was found with child. He didn't just react. He prayerfully responded. I'm sure he was hurt. We know he was hurt because he was thinking about putting her away. That means divorcing her. Remember that uh, an engagement was just as binding as a marriage and, and you had to get out of it by a bill of divorce. Even though they hadn't come together, it hadn't been what you and I would, be, what you and I would call uh, consummated, but nonetheless, they were bound together. It was a binding thing, a binding contract. And he was minded to put her away privately. He's thinking about divorcing her and moving on with his life. But he, he prayerfully considered when Joseph's betrothed approached him because she was found with child. Scripture says being a just man, he was minded to put her away privately. Even more impressive was the, the fact that before making an ultimate decision, he, 
He, he prayed about it. He thought about it. He was meditating on it. He was in his bed at night, and it was all he could think about. What am I going to do? How, how am I going to do this? This tells me Joseph was a just man. He was a patient man. He was a compassionate man. He was a loving man. He was a wise man. Bible says, while he thought on these things, in verse number 20, but while he thought on these things, he hasn't reacted yet. He's waiting to prayerfully respond. Joseph acted the part of a wise man because he was a wise man. Proverbs 29, verse number 11 says, A fool uttereth all his mind, but a wise man keepeth it in till afterwards. Joseph knew what he wanted to say, but he thought, I better not say that. I could throw rocks that'll break things that I'll never be able to repair. That's what words do. So while the fool uttereth all his mind, you don't have to know, you you don't have to wonder what a fool's thinking. He's going to tell you right off. He reacts to every situation. But the wise man, you got to wonder, man, what are you thinking? Uh, uh, Does this even bother you? A lot of times it does. He's just prayerfully responding, meditating. I'm not exactly sure what to do at this point, so I'm not going to do anything. And the Bible says he went home and he prayed on these things wisely before acting or speaking hastily. He went home and thought. He meditated. He prayed. This takes patience. First Peter chapter 1, verse number 5 says, Beside this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, to virtue knowledge, to knowledge temperance, to temperance patience. To patience, godliness, and to godliness, brotherly kindness, and brotherly kindness, charity. Patience. Listen, your kids and your family and your wife shouldn't have to walk on eggshells wondering, how's he going to react? Is he going to blow up? Is he going to blow a gasket? Joseph was patient. He went home and because he went home and because he thought about it and because he prayed about it and he didn't react and he didn't go out and destroy Mary's reputation. He was able to fulfill God's will in his life. He went home and God was able to talk to him. But as I said, Joseph's life plans were thrown completely out of kilter by God's will But Joseph, being a just man, being a patient man, he would not only go through this, but also he'd inconveniently protect his family. Joseph had no idea how much his life would be inconvenienced. Can I say that when you become a dad, you have no idea how much your life is going to be inconvenienced. When you become a mom, you think you know, but you have no idea how much your life is going to be inconvenienced. You have no idea how much sleep you're going to lose. You have no idea how humiliated you're going to be at times because 
Um, kids have a tendency to humiliate us. You have no idea how many of your things are going to be damaged because, well, kids have a tendency to be wrecking balls. You have no idea how much you're going to have to go out of your way to raise them, to provide for them, to protect them. Oh, Joseph ended up going to Bethlehem just before Jesus was born. Not a trip he was planning on making, but one he ended up having to make. His wife had to give birth in a manger because the Bible says there was no room for them in the inn. Not, not the plan, but I'll tell you what, you better become flexible when you have kids because you're going to have plans, and those plans at times are going to get wrecked. Joseph had no idea. And then the Bible tells us that in Matthew chapter 2, verse number 13, when they were getting ready to go back home to Nazareth, the angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream, saying, Arise and take the young child and his mother and flee into Egypt. And the Bible says that Joseph had to change his plans once again. And I'm sure that when the wise men came and they brought them gold and frankincense and myrrh and Joseph had all these ideas, man, I can buy that shop I've been wanting to buy. My, my carpenter shop. Man, I've been wanting that thing for a long time. And, and, and these wise men have come. They provided the finances. And now I'm finally going to have my shop. I'm going to have my first class carpenter shop i'm gonna have the best one in all of nazareth and he goes to sleep that night he's ecstatic now we can go home and god says you're gonna have to make a detour and that golden frankincense and myrrh that was gonna buy that shop of yours it's gonna have to be used to protect your child but joseph did it he uprooted his family he moved to egypt Not what he wanted to do, but it was God's will. He stayed in Egypt until Herod had died, and it was safe to come back. And God said, okay, you can go back to Nazareth. And then they were able to go back to Nazareth. Joseph learned real quick. When you're a father, you must be more open to the will of God and more in tune to the word of God than ever before. Because Satan will do everything possible to become a distraction or to cause a distraction. The perspective of Noah, the practice of Job, the priority of Abraham, the patience of Joseph. You know, every one of these attributes can be summed up into one word, sacrifice. Of course, we have the greatest example of sacrifice in our Savior who left his home in heaven So he could not only minister to mankind, but give his life so mankind could be saved. And so when God asked Abraham to offer his son, when God tested Job, when God told told Noah for the next 120 years, I want you to build an ark. When God told Joseph, go ahead and take Mary. Raise my son. Oh, and by the way, I'm going to need you to move to Egypt for a while and sell your shop so you can keep my son safe. 
You know, when you consider that God gave his life so we could have life, none of these things are unreasonable. So make him your priority. Have patience. Practice what you preach so long as this is what you're preaching. And make God your number one priority. It will benefit your family greater than anything that this world has to offer. Let's have every head bowed and every eye closed. Every head is bowed, every eye is closed.